I want to take as my text this morning that short reading from uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, Romans chapter 8, beginning at verse 14. And if you're making use of the Pew Bible, you can find that text on page 1122. Uh, Paul's letter to the Romans, chapter 8, and beginning at verse 14, which I'd like for you to take a look with me uh, again. Beginning at verse 14. The great apostle to the Gentiles wrote, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our human spirit that we are the children of God. And if children then heirs, heirs of God, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. This morning I want to talk about the Spirit's work in the life of the believer. The Spirit's work in the life of the believer. Now, truth be told, the Holy Spirit works in many ways in our lives if we're believers in Jesus Christ. But I want to focus on just three as they appear in our text. And the first is, in the life of the believer, the Spirit leads. In the life of the believer, the Spirit leads. Indeed, notice again verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. And so Paul says that if we're truly sons of God, it's in the present tense, if we are, and passive, if we are sons of God, the Holy Spirit is leading us. And this is a key characteristic within the true life of the believer. That the Spirit leads us. And if we're true believers, we follow. Now we might ask, and how do we know uh, when we are being led by the Spirit? Well, one of the ways in which we know is when we're experiencing the fruit of the Spirit in our lives. And the effects and the influence of the Spirit uh, can be seen. He's leading in this way, and we follow. That begs another question, and that is, and so what is the fruit of the Spirit? Well, Paul uh, describes for us the fruit of the Spirit in that famous passage in Galatians chapter 5 and beginning at verse 22, in which he says this, the fruit or the product of the Spirit, when the Spirit is present and the Spirit is leading in a person's life, in a believer's life, this is what you'll see in their life. The fruit of the Spirit, that thing that the Spirit produces. And the fruit of the Spirit is love. <laughs> when I'm loving. You know, it's an interesting uh, experience that, um, that I had um, Im uh, immediately after my conversion. Uh, prior to my conversion, I always asked the question, and so what can you do for me? Uh, and if you couldn't do something for me, I considered you to be completely useless. But then I had this conversion experience, and I go to this meeting where I don't, didn't even know why I was there, and God opened my heart, and I believed, and I said, yes, Lord, Lord, you be my Lord. <laughs> and I didn't know anything, really, very much. 
But I remember when I went to the service, and before that happened, I remember that I didn't have a very good attitude about the young Christian people that were at the meeting. I didn't like them at all. In fact, I held them in contempt. When I returned the following week after having had this conversion experience, I noticed something that I had never noticed before. As I ascended the steps into this, to go into the uh, house, it was a... It was a house where the youth uh, met and the pastor had his study and there were some offices in this house and out in California. As I ascended the steps and there was some Victorian home with a big porch and their kids were there, I felt this overwhelming love for them. <laughs> overwhelming. Overwhelming. That was the fruit of the Spirit. That wasn't the fruit of the flesh. That wasn't Thompson. That was God doing something in me. And perhaps many of you are familiar with that feeling. The fruit of the Spirit is love. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. In fact, you can't be influenced by the Spirit or be in God's presence. As the psalmist said, in your presence is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The, Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy and peace. And patience. See, that's the one where I get a little hung up there. I've noticed it's, 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 that's, um, that's uh, seemingly, it's deep in. That's when you're starting to get advanced. But I try to remember that. Just to, you know, release it. Patience. Kindness. Goodness. That's what we mean when we say at the end of the service, is service to, be, to be a benefit and a blessing to everyone we meet. That's to be a source of goodness, a benefit. What do you do when you're with people? Do they feel drained by you? Or when you come to people, do they feel that you're lifting them up? And sometimes, you know, we play the different role, you know. Sometimes we're the ones that need to be lifted up. Um, Goodness and faithfulness. <laughs> Gentleness, which is another way of saying humility. The Spirit produces humility in us and self-control. And so when we're being led by the Spirit of God and we're following His lead, these are the sorts of character traits that will be on display in our lives. And so that's the first thing. In the life of the believer, the Spirit leads. Secondly, in the life of the believer, the Spirit inspires. The Spirit inspires. Indeed, notice again, beginning at verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are the sons of God. To be a son of God, a child of God, is to be led by the Spirit. Verse 15, for you did not receive the spirit of slavery or bondage to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons of God, by whom we cry, by which spirit we cry, Abba, Father. <laughs> and so Paul says that the spirit that we've received as believers, not a spirit that enslaves us, it takes away our freedom. In fact, if, 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 if the, as the Scriptures say, if the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. <laughs> you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. All right. Freedom. True freedom. 
We think that sin and darkness is freedom. That's bondage. <laughs> if you ever stubbed your toe in the dark, there's an example of it. You can't see where you're going. You don't see things the way they really are. But when you're walking in the light and the Spirit is filling your life and leading you, you have true freedom. Or as Archbishop Kramner wrote, and we have it in our own prayer book, to serve you, Lord, is perfect freedom. Or Hans Kug, when somebody said to him, Kug, why did you become a Christian? He said that I might be truly human. That I might really be what God always designed me to be as his creature, to live in communion with him and not walking away. He's the light. To walk toward him is to be enlightened. To walk away is to be in the darkness. And there's nothing free about being trapped in the darkness. And so Paul says that the spirit that we have received is not a spirit that enslaves us, that robs us of true freedom, or a spirit that makes us fearful. In fact, Paul writing to Timothy in his second letter, as we have it in the New Testament, wrote this, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. And so the spirit that we have received is not a spirit that enslaves, but, or that makes us fearful. Rather, Paul says, that the spirit that we have received as believers is a spirit that inspires. <laughs> Paul here refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of adoption. In the Roman world in which Paul lived, uh, the, the practice of adoption was a central legal matter. Uh, if a, if a, a man uh, uh, owned a, a business or an estate and didn't have children to, in, to, to whom he could, he could leave it, if he didn't have an heir, in many cases he would make uh, one of his favorite servants his heir. He would adopt that servant. That servant would take on his name, and when he was gone, all that belonged to that man would be uh, in, in, uh, given. Uh, to, the, to the heir, and he would be treated as a, as a full son with all the rights and privileges and responsibilities as if he were his natural-born son. And in the New Testament, and especially in the writings of Paul, this concept of spiritual adoption uh, features large. Indeed, uh, Paul says that... Um, that it is by means of spiritual adoption that we are transformed from being merely the creatures of God to becoming the children of God. And so not only in, in Paul's writing, but in, in, even in the Gospel of John, we have this concept. In fact, it's a, favorite, a famous passage. You may be familiar with it. John chapter 1, verses 11 and 12, we read this in John's prologue to his Gospel, the Gospel of John. He says, and he, he's talking about Jesus, the Logos, and he, Jesus, he came to his own, but his own people didn't receive him. Verse 12, but, they didn't receive him, but, but to all who did receive him, yes, Lord, to all who believed in his name, he gave to them the right to become the children of God. 
Now, we, use, we oftentimes loosely talk about everybody's a child of God, and that's true to the extent that everybody's a creature of God, but obviously there's, some, there's, some, there's something different about what he's talking here. In fact, uh, when, when Jesus was talking to the Pharisees on one account, he says, you're of your father the devil. <laughs> and so we can be creatures of God, but not in the strictest New Testament sense, the apostolic sense of a, of a child of God. Here we have people who were not children of God and they become the children of God. And how do they become the children of God? Through faith, through receiving Jesus. He came to his own and his own received him not, but to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. That's adoption. Jesus is the, the son of God the Father by nature. We become the children of God by adoption. We weren't before, and he makes us his children through faith in his son. And so it's by means of spiritual adoption that we're transformed from being mere creatures of God to being children of God. And Paul says that it is this spirit of adoption living within us that prompts us, that inspires us to say something. He prompts us to call God Abba Father. Before my conversion, I never would have, that would have never crossed my mind. In fact, this has something to do with the spirit of fear and, and bondage. Truth be told, I was scared to death of God. Now, you wouldn't, you wouldn't have known it because I was a little punk, but. <laughs> oh, there it uh, I was, I'm so glad it wasn't my phone. <laughs> I was scared to death of God. In fact, uh, there for a while I was having this reoccurring dream. I, I, I don't know what it was. By the way, if you don't think uh, that laws are deterrents for crime, I'm a, I, am a, uh, I am a testimony to that. I oftentimes would count the cost as to what sort of trouble a certain action would get me into. But I used to have this uh, reoccurring dream where I was walking across a bridge. I was in my neighborhood, and there wasn't actually a bridge there, but in my, in my dream, there was this bridge and kind of went over a, a gully. And um, I had done something bad. I got halfway across this bridge, and the bridge collapsed out from underneath me. And I start to be sucked down. In fact, the wind is whizzing past my ears, and I keep getting sucked down faster and faster and faster. And some voice is telling me, and do you know where you're going? <laughs> and I would wake up in a cold sweat. But when the Spirit takes up residence in your life, the Spirit not only leads, but the Spirit inspires and suggests, indeed prompts, prods you to say something perhaps you never thought you would say. Abba, Father. Abba is Aramaic. In fact, Jesus and his disciples there in the Galilee, they spoke Aramaic. That was something that the Jews, a language that they picked up when they were uh, in um, exile in Babylon. Uh, and, this, and so Abba, Abba means uh, Dada, <laughs> Daddy. <laughs> it's, a, it's a term of endearment. Uh, in the Middle East, sometimes you hear, you know, the Greeks was talk about Baba. 
right? It's a, it's a, it's a, a, an expression of, of endearment that I'm your child and you're my father. And it's, it's filled with confidence. No child says, Dada, Mama, and thinks, uh-oh. <laughs> In fact, if, they're, if it's an uh-oh, it's not going to be Dada, Mama. It might be Mommy, Dearest. But it's not an expression of confidence and endearment. And so the spirit uh, in the life of the believer leads and the spirit inspires. Thirdly and finally, in the life of the believer, the spirit assures. The spirit assures. Notice again verses 16 and 17. Paul says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit. The Holy Spirit, in other words, bears witness to our human spirit, the immaterial part of us, our mind, our heart, that we are the children of God. And if we are children, then we're also heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs, I don't, this is incredible, and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so the Spirit of God bears witness with our human spirit that we belong to God the Father, that, that we are children. There's that voice of the Spirit inside saying, you belong to Him. <laughs> Something's happened in you. You know that. You're experiencing it. You belong to God. He has adopted you. You were in the darkness. He brought you into the light. What did, the man, the, in, what did the blind man say uh, in uh, John chapter 9? I, you can say whatever you want about Jesus if you don't like him. I mean, that's your prerogative. That's your choice if you like. It's a free country. But all I know is this, is once I was blind and now I see. The Spirit bears witness with our human spirit that indeed we are the children of God. And not only that, Paul says, but also he bears witness in our spirit that we're God's heirs. Think about that in the world. Whose heir would you like to be? Some rich person who has lots of things in, in which to, to give? Imagine what it's like and what it means to be an heir of God. God owns it all. <laughs> and when you're his child, you become his heir. And everything that belongs to God belongs to you. And not only that, Paul says, and the Spirit of God bears witness with our human spirit that we're co-heirs with Christ. Everything that the Father gives to the Son, he gives to us as co-heirs together with him. And Paul says, and this is true, if we suffer with him, which is something that Paul just assumes is the case of every Christian person to one degree or another. In fact, I was having a conversation with a young believer not so long ago, young man. And uh, I think this subject came up and he said, I, I want to suffer for the Lord, you know. I said, well, that's easy. <laughs> All you got to do is do what's right. Follow the lead of the Spirit. And somewhere along the line, you're going to come across somebody that feels very challenged by that. 
And that's going to be, they're going to see that as some kind of an impediment to them getting done what they want to get done by evil means. So all you have to do is be faithful. All you have to do is walk with Him. All you have to do is do the right thing and follow your conscience as it's being influenced by the Holy Spirit and you will, you will have trouble. And then, the, and then the, the, the challenge will be, so now what are you going to do? Are you going to be faithful to Him? Are you going to give in to the pressure, whether it's passive or active aggression? What are you going to do? That will become the test, whether you will be true or whether you will not be true. <laughs> but Paul, Acts chapter 14 and verse 22, on his second missionary journey, he's going around with Silas, and, and they're, he's going back. Uh, to those churches that he planted. He's checking on them and seeing how they're doing and encouraging them to keep the faith. And this is what he says uh, to one of the churches in chapter 14 of Acts and verse 22. Through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. <laughs> Don't be surprised. You, believers at Lystra or Derby, wherever this was. Don't be surprised because it is through many tribulations that we must enter the kingdom of God. Or what did Jesus say? In fact, I was visiting a, a guy just uh, the other day in the hospital and, and, and uh, having some trouble. And I, I quoted this, Jesus' words in uh, John 16 and verse 33. It says about Jesus, and having said these things to the disciples, well, this was on the night that he was betrayed. He says, uh, in, in me, uh, you will have peace. But then he says, in the world, you will have tribulation. <laughs> in the world you will have tribulation. And he said, but be of good cheer, for I have overcome the world. When I get down like I was this last week, I remember that. We're in the middle of the story, not the end of it. And what will come of this? I don't exactly know. I'm not God. But I'm trusting God to bring it to a good end. Second Timothy chapter 3 and verse 12, Paul writing to Timothy said, Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. In one sense or another, and there are, by the way, as easy as our life is uh, in the West, and we can go, we're all meeting here, there's no police officers outside going to round us up. There's none of that, but there are many, too many restricted nations in the world where meeting like this is against the law. And the, the groups of Christian people have to move from one place to the next because, uh, you know, the government and the police get wind of it, and so we just have to stay on the move all the time. They get into one car, they drive to another place, they go to, the, and all of that they have to do. And it's against the law to own the scriptures. And so they, 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 they do Wi-Fi at the coffee shops and, uh, and, and, and make the scriptures available through the Wi-Fi until the government finds out about that. And on and on and on. And the church is persecuted as it seeks to carry out the Great Commission because Jesus said, all authority has been given unto me and now go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And to be faithful to, to, to their God, to be faithful to Christ. And because they can't keep silent about the things they've seen and heard, they act contrary to the laws of the lands and the communities in which they find themselves to be true to Him first. And so Paul says, the Spirit of God 
also bears witness to our human spirit that we are co-heirs with Christ if we suffer with Christ. And then Paul says that the suffering with Christ gives way to glory. <laughs> gives way to glory. It's not just suffering and then you die. It's suffering and then you're exalted. Like Christ was exalted. He's the pattern. He empties himself. Becomes obedient to the Father. Even obedient to the point of death on the cross. And therefore God has, what? Highly exalted him. And given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Jesus every knee should bow. And every tongue confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And we are co-heirs with him. In fact, notice that 18th verse, which is not a part of our text, but it's the next verse right after. Verse 18 of Romans 8. Paul, who knew something about suffering. Last week we were talking about him being beaten with rods. And he says in 2 Corinthians that that happened to him on three separate occasions and on and on in all of the other things that he lists. In fact, he told the Galatian churches that he was having lots of problems with them. At the, very end of the, at the very end of his letter, he said, you know, can you make things a little easier for me? He says, because I bear in my body the marks of Christ Jesus. It's enough that I have to suffer at the hands of my enemies. Please, don't you make me suffer, he writes <laughs> to the church. But Romans 8 and verse 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall be revealed in, 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 in us. What glory? 1 John 3 and verses 1 and 2 gives us a hint at that. 1 John 3 and beginning at verse 1. See, Paul, uh, uh, John is writing. And notice the family language again. That you're the children of God. Notice. See what kind of love the Father has given us. Wow! We're so loved by God, John says. That we should be called what? Children of God. And so we are. And the reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Verse 2. But beloved... We are the children of God now, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, when He returns, we shall be like Him. <laughs> we, we will see Him in all His glory, and we will be like Him. We know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He truly is. And so the Spirit leads, the Spirit inspires, and the Spirit assures if we are the true children of God. And if you aren't, and if what I've been talking about doesn't make any sense whatsoever, then maybe you aren't. But maybe that's something you should like to remedy, even today. Again, what did John say? Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, <laughs> he gave them the right to become children of God.
Will you believe in him? And trust him? And call him your Lord? Let us pray. It's the right ordering of things, Lord. We're not God, you are. We're not the creator, we're creatures. In need of redemption, and you're the redeemer. <laughs> in need of sustaining, and you're the sustainer. <laughs> and as Pascal said, that we all have this God-shaped hole within us, and we may try to fill that hole with all sorts of other things, people, material things, and it just never satisfies. We may feel some satisfaction, but even as Mick Jagger said, it, it quickly fades. And so, Lord, um, if, if what we've described here is our experience, good. And maybe we might even be a little pricked in our, in our, uh, our conscience uh, that it should be more... Uh, uh, should be our experience more often than, than it is. Or perhaps it's not our experience and never has been. And for those of us for whom it had never has been, Lord, grant us grace to seek you out, to knock, to ask, to call, as you told us to. Because if we knock, you will open. And if we seek, we will find and if we ask, it will be given us. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.